0: This is the Drive-In Podcast, episode 39, take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to the 39th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode of The Drive-In, we have the express checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have our review of Cruella starring Emma Stone. And then we have our top billing of Disney animated villains. Make sure to tune in for that segment. So use the bathroom now. Grab your popcorn and enjoy the 39th episode of The Drive-In Podcast. All right, episode thirty nine is here. I am joined by Ricky Flicks, uh, Nez. Our co-host is currently stuck out in Arizona on the West Coast. He'll be back for episode forty, the Big Four O. But before we get started with a whole lot of news and a whole lot of great segments for today, Ricky Flicks, what do you been? What have you been watching on streaming, on cable, sports? Hit it! Hit, hit it!
1: Yeah. So. I've been kind of on a Disney binge past week. I knew this was coming up as a review, so I rewatched 101 Dalmatians, the animated and live action version. I watched Little Mermaid. I watched a few other Disney flicks. I felt like a little kid again. But I think the big news of what I watched this weekend is what I went to the theaters for, and it was not. Ooh! It was not our review today. Yes, I decided to go to the theaters to see A Quiet Place 2, and boy, next week is going to be some review. That's all I'll say now. Dr. O what are you watching?
0: Well, I, I can't wait to see A Quiet Place Part 2. I have yet to see it. I might see it with Ricky Flicks. It'll be his second time, my first, but I can't wait to see uh, our boy Killian Murphy. I've been still crushing Peaky Blinders. I just ended season three. The man turned 45. Amazing show. Amazing. Yeah, dude, he looks like he literally could pass for like a 27 year old. It's it's (laughs) insane. I just flat out don't believe it. Even if I saw a birth certificate, I wouldn't think that Killian Murphy's 45. He's permanently 27 years old. But what else have I been watching? I got my A24 shirt on some big fire here. A24 seems like they have like trendy clothes and stuff. They're like the in thing, right? Like the artsy fartsy film, but also like they make cool clothing. They were sold out of hats.
1: Cool movies too. Cool thrillers. Really cool. cool movies. And as I,
0: as I was about to mention a 24 film, I saw this weekend, we brought up Barry Kagan um, following uh, the Eternals trailer. So I decided to check him out in killing of a sacred deer. Holy cannoli. I don't even know how to describe that movie. That movie was wild. I probably put it on the unrewatchables to be honest ricky flex you seen it
1: only the first half i haven't finished it yet i know i've i just i watched it one night was falling asleep and then i just haven't gotten around back to it yet it's on netflix now i gotta get back to it but the first hour was was creepy and weird i will say and i heard it just gets weirder
0: and the score of it makes it even creepier colin farrell like Colin Farrell's peak creepiness, and he can like kind of nail that type of role. Barry Kagan, though, after seeing that, I'm excited as, him as for him as a potential villain in the Marvel Universe. I think he'd murder it. I think we talked about it on the previous episode when we talked about the Eternals trailer. Be me Barry Kagan. I want Barry Kagan. Check out Killing with Sacred Deer if you haven't. A24 film that really isn't talked about enough. Uh, it's on 2017 Netflix. 2017
1: movie. Same year as Good Time, so it's kind of tough.
0: Uh, Nicole Kidman as well, if you want to check it out. And then um, Bill Camp from the night of if you guys know what bill camp is mm-hmm. all right so that does it from also in queens, watching, gambit. Right?
1: queen's gambit queen's gambit oh camp. yeah gender right yeah it, people definitely have seen that so the janitor more, more relatable gambit. yeah
0: yeah okay well ricky flicks uh i think it's time that we get to the checkup we got a bunch of things to uh note today and then comment on you ready to go
1: let's do it
0: express style have at it one more moment doctor <laughs> Bringing you the latest news in the movie industry, this is The Checkup with Dr. O. Dr. O, check us out. Aaron Taylor-Johnson has been cast as Craven the Hunter in Sony Pictures' Universe of Marvel Characters, S-P-U-M-C for short, terrible acronym. Craven will be getting his own movie in the Spider-Man universe similar to Tom Hardy's Venom and Jared Leto's Morbius. There's no confirmation on the character status in terms of connectivity to Disney's MCU. Next up on The checkup, Joker 2 is officially in development with Todd Phillips returning to write the script. Joaquin Phoenix's involvement has yet to be confirmed, and it hasn't been confirmed whether Phillips will return to direct. Next up, a Val Kilmer documentary is coming from Amazon Studios and A24 on The Actor's Life. The doc is rumored to debut at Kane Film Festival this summer, including footage provided by Kilmer himself. Filmer was an acting force in the 80s and 90s for all you young bloods, with roles in Top Gun, Tombstone, Batman Forever, and The Doors. Wrapping up the checkup here, we have a little trailer roundup. We had two major trailers drop. We had Last Night in Soho from Edgar Wright. Uh, the film stars Thomason McKenzie, Anya Taylor Joy, and Matt Smith in a time traveling thriller. The synops- synopsis for the film reads A young woman passionate in fashion design is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters her idol a dazzling wannabe singer however 1960s London is not what it appears and time seems to fall apart with shady consequences last night in Soho releases in theaters October 22nd 2021 our second trailer we had Old from M. Night Shyamalan the film stars Thomas and Mackenzie again Alex wolf Eliza Scanlon among others this film synopsis reads, A thriller about a family on a tropical holiday who discovered that the, the, the secluded beach, where they are relaxing for a few hours, is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day. Old Hits theaters July 23rd, 2021. To wrap up the checkup today, a little bit of somber news, but a celebration of life. Kevin Clark, known as uh, frenny Jones, from uh, School of Rock, the drummer, has passed away at the age of 32. We hope that he cre- uh, continues to create musical fusion up in heaven. That does it for the checkup this week. Ricky Flicks, which headline captures your attention most. You've just been checked up by Dr. O.
1: Last night's Soho trailer was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. That's where we got to start. Rockstar
0: trailer? Rockstar?
1: Super rockstar, like Beatles. It was unreal. And Beatles talks of the time, London, 60s. But Thomas Mackenzie, I feel like she's in everything. Old. And uh, Power of the Dog, uh, your movie that you picked a couple weeks ago or yeah, last the Car- week. The
0: Carrie Strong movie she's going to be starring in.
1: Yeah, so she's she's just coming out of nowhere, like going to be in everything after Jojo Rabbit. So she's everywhere. That's great. But also the trailer, I have no idea what's going on, but it looks amazing. It looks amazing. The, just the way they filmed it, it looks so interesting and the music behind it Uh, And also the movie poster that was released right after the trailer just tells of a mystery suspense thriller that I have no idea what's going to happen. And I love that.
0: Right. And I think that kind of goes with your rock star trailer that you've kind of mentioned before when we got Eternals, you use the same uh, description Mm -hmm. of it. And I think it's like you don't know what's happening, but you're so entranced by what's happening, you know? And I think the, the setting for Last Night in Soho really plays into that. I think Thomas and Mackenzie, obviously, really hot in the streets. And then who do you pair her with? Anya Taylor-Joy? Are you kidding me? I think that's going to be an unbelievable duo. And they're kind of like – they seem like they might be going one-on-one against each other by they're the like end the of the movie. like the same
1: person. Are they the same person? Like. You know, because the way there it was filmed, like in the trailer, it looked like they were the same person living alternate reality, maybe, and that yeah. maybe Thomas McKenzie's alternate reality is Anya Taylor Joy, so they're the same person, maybe. That's just a guess here based off the trailer. But again, I don't know what I watched. All I know is that I liked it.
0: Yeah. So this is interesting. So it's like her traveling back in time, and she's like, I guess Anya Taylor Joy, her character is her idol. That's who she wanted to be, and okay. then. I'm starting to think like this I'm my mind's starting to race right now. I got some crazy thoughts. But I think that potentially we're looking at a situation where Anya Taylor-Joy passes away and her then like she's reborn into this little girl. You know like that, that, that kind of like that sounds so super crazy, but that's like an yeah, afterlife like type of thing. Souls going
1: into other souls or something.
0: Yeah, it could be that,
1: but those souls going into other of- bodies.
0: This also had like a horror vibe to it. I'm really excited to Very see Very horror vibes. We've we seen Edgar Wright really strictly do comedy. Even when he does zombie films, they're comedies. you know. Yeah. Baby Driver is not a comedy, but it has comedic aspects, and it definitely doesn't have a horror vibe to it. This one, you definitely felt
1: that. Oh, God, yeah, you did. Oh, you did. And another just fascinating thing is that besides a movie poster, another thing that came out on the same day as this trailer was the release date. And you mentioned it, October 22nd. What's October 22nd? Oh, yeah, Clint, e- Clint Eastwood's next movie, Cry Macho. Yes, that is there. But French Absolutely. Dispatch is, is coming out on the same day. It's, oh, my God. I was thinking more like
0: Halloween. I thought that's what you were going for after we we're talking about oh, a scary true. movie.
1: Ooh, no, okay, yeah. but that, that's fascinating. You're that's like Wes Anderson versus Edgar Wright? They, versus Clint Eastwood? We got a little triple like, face Stand off, off. Here. We, 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 got- we got a standoff. <laughs> This it's is uh, our putting guns at each other. Office is the as, office. As, That's
0: perfectly fitting for a Clint Eastwood to have a three-way standoff at the box. Office. Oh,
1: yes. Yeah, the good, the bad, the ugly. But uh, that was like, besides the trailer, I was like, holy crap. He just did that to Wes Anderson, who just announced we've all been waiting for French Dispatch news because of that cast, maybe the best cast of all time on paper. And they dropped October 22nd. And a week or two later, Edgar Wright's like, eh, I'm going October 22nd he doesn't care he couldn't he
0: couldn't like, I, I, I feel like the studio was pushing him to keep like uh obviously pushing this release date back as with a lot of like these studios like pressuring Definitely. these directors like hey this is what we have to do in order to get the most eyeballs on the screen and then that just so happens to be on the same day it's not like these are going to be like breaking box office records but it still will be fascinating to like look back on the weekend like who won it right who are people more interested in seeing this with their new projects big. you know
1: yeah, and so, like look at this past weekend, A Quiet Place Part Two versus Cruella. People were thinking, "Oh, who's going to win here?" And A Quiet Place doubled uh, Cruella. I know Cruella uh, had Disney Plus Premier Access as well, right. but it's a little different compared to like a Mulan, where Mulan only came out in Disney Plus Premier Access. So you can't really compare the two numbers. Um, so it's kind of tough to compare Cruella versus A Quiet Place Part Two. But no matter what, it, the numbers are just so uh, different that it was clear that A Quiet Place Part Two won the box office this weekend. When this these three movies come out i think it's clear cry macho will deteriorate uh as in box office numbers and these two films will go at it and i'm interested to yeah dude cry-,
0: cry macho is just not it's not a name that you it's not a highly anticipated film like the other two yeah like french dispatch was supposed to come out like way way earlier in 2021 and then obviously same thing with la- last night in soho the anticipation was high and people were like looking forward to this trailer for a long time glad we got it um ricky Flux, i want to talk about next i want to talk about joker 2 So this has been a rumor in movie and development. It's not really surprising after the first one made a billion bucks, right? Um, Todd Phillips is returning to write the script. No confirmation. He's going to direct. And there's no confirmation that Joaquin is going to return as Joker. Do you think it's a, it's inevitable that Joaquin will return?
1: I think it is. I know your blog says otherwise, but I think it's inevitable that Joaquin returns. I understand. I think you mentioned this in your blog as well, that Joaquin's very artsy. He he was adamant this is one film and he like he's can do any film he wants basically and he probably has other things in his mind that he wants to do and it sounds like he does not want to do this again superheroes and that whole world comic book world is just not his thing this was the only thing that attracted him him to this role was the mental aspect of this the mental illness uh the the Character creating from it's himself. Character dive. Yeah, yeah. It's just that's what really attracted him to this role, not the comic book elements of it, which there was some in Joker, but not as much as what uh, I think that a lot of people would expect. Besides, obviously the ending, when of course they showed the Bruce uh, Thomas Wayne and uh, Martha Wayne killing, of course. Uh, but <laughs> had to. But I just think if they if this is confirmed, that means he says he'll do it. It's just not confirmed yet. I know you have a bunch of thoughts on this. So so yeah,
0: I have a bunch of thoughts on here. Personally, I know people, it's like, they're thinking it's inevitable, but I think there is a chance that he doesn't do this. Uh, As you said before, he is not drawn to superhero films. Only superhero film he was really attached to prior to was that he was sought after for Dr. Strange by Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios, but they always had Benedict Cumberbatch in mind. They were only going to like potentially cast Joaquin because Cumberbatch had something else going on when Dr. Strange was about to shoot. But honestly, I think he would have been an awesome Doctor Strange as well. It's just Benedict Cumberbatch is meant for that role. He looks identical he looks at, to the character.
1: He, exactly. He looks identical he, to the comic, And he
0: kills it. He kills it. Like he, He's phenomenal. But, and, and we're, we're seeing Joaquin is not slowing down. He's like going with Ari Aster in Ari Aster's next film. He's going to be in Kit Bag with Ridley Scott. He's not interested in this... Um, franchise potential that Joker has. Once it hits a billion bucks though, Warner Brothers lights up, right? That he's, you got like, like Donald, you got Donald Duck gif of him just like slinging money, right? Yeah. Walking left and right, you know? That's what they're thinking. This makes me think people were starting to say that this is a Joker that inspires a next Joker, right? So I am... Not very confident, but I think there is a good chance that we see someone else take up the Joker mantle because Joaquin is not willing to like, keep going with this. And you have a chance for connectivity with Robert Pattinson's Batman. You have a chance for that Great in a chance. sequel. OK, so I don't know if Matt Reeves, they, he probably has a whole thing in place that he didn't like he didn't really inc- want to include Joker and Warner Brothers. What are they known for? It's meddling in with director's visions. They could be saying like, dude, that imagine sucks, if right? you had like a Joaquin inspired Joker. I don't know who you would cast as like his successor meeting up with Pattinson's Batman could be electric, but also they probably might want to stay away from Matt Reeves' vision. So like I could see it going both ways.
1: Yeah, and it kind of goes back to the Robert Pattinson producing news last week. We kind of, again, I'll say it again. I'll, I'll say it again here. Like I said last week, is that that kind of confirmed that this Batman is gonna be good, and a trilogy is mm-hmm. probably in the works. And Reeves and his 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 uh his crew, his writer, like they all know what they're doing, probably for that trilogy. Right. But just having that producer set and Pattinson, he could make another movie. Like he he could just do like a like a, he could stay on for more than a trilogy. Like he could just be attached to Warner Brothers.
0: Right. Like almost like a Tom Holland is with Spider-Man. Spider-Man exactly. You know, he's just going to keep making appearances. He's a young guy. He can do so much with the character. Mm-hmm. He has such a large rogues gallery and characters to explore. Right. Um, I, There's so much they could do. Um, But Joker, like, I, I, I because of the vision, like they want to keep it separate. But like, if you have a Joker too, like you feel like eventually he has to meet up with Batman. What's the point of having Joker sequels if he doesn't eventually meet up right. with Batman? Good you know point.
1: Yeah, like what if there's no Batman in this one? Then like exactly, what's the point? Like, what is he gonna do? Is it another origin story of a new Joker that you have alluded to? Like, we don't want another origin story. It's gonna be a sequel, right? And then
0: like, okay, the second one makes a billion dollars. Okay, I guess you're making a third one naturally. Yeah, meets Batman. Does he? Like, like what's your progression gonna look like, dude? You know?
1: Yeah. Do the math. Like, look at like if you just look at uh, quick thought. Like, look at Venom. They it had its own origin movie. Tom Hardy. Obviously, I'm not going to put it in the same i like the same category as Joker as in quality. I see what you're but saying. Let's just say it. Uh, let's just for comparison's sake. It had its own movie, made a billion bucks, right, or just under 800 million, and it, it, like, they had to make a sequel to it. So what they do? They brought in his arch nemesis or the per, the biggest rival to Sp- Spider Man, Carnage, in the next one because they they upped the origin. Joker has to up. And Joker Two has to up Joker. How do you do that? You bring in Batman. So,
0: and what's the expectation? Yeah, exactly. You're like third Venom. You're gonna meet Spider Man. You know. <laughs> yeah. So it, it it has to happen. Um, speaking of MCU and speaking of Venom, I kind I want to quickly go over Aaron Taylor Johnson being cast as Kraven the Hunter. ATJ. Personally. Personally, I love this. I like. I love Aaron Taylor Johnson Craven the hunter uh, as a character. He is a man who hunts other men. Like he like li- literally tries to kill them like for game. Like, uh, like uh, it's a, uh, what's the short story? The called? Most dangerous game, most dangerous game type stuff. Great, right. Short story. And like, he, like, I think you gotta be a, like a little bit of a psycho to like play this role and who plays psycho better than a- Aaron Taylor Johnson in nocturnal animals. Like, like that's like, he won a goal. He won a golden globe for the performance, uh, I think, I think he would absolutely knock this out of the park. Plus, he's got a sick beard that he could rock. And I, th- I, I, I think he – I could see him going against a Tom Holland Spider-Man at some point. And then I see him like he's on the same – almost on the same level as, let's say, a Tom Hardy or a Jared Leto who are all in these this outside Spider-Man type universe.
1: Yeah, I agree. I like Nocturnal Animals. He won Best Supporting Actor at the Globes, I want to say, but obviously not at the Oscars but he was phenomenal in that. He was the best part of that movie in my eyes, even though Jake G, Amy Adams, Michael Shannon, they were all good in Nocturnal Animals, but he was awesome. Aaron Tyler Johnson, like like you said as well, has a great beard, and he's played superhero before, as in Quicksilver. The look's important. The look ass. is so, like,
0: important for a comic book movie.
1: Right, so like, he's going to have the look of being like a jacked, beardy, ec, hairy dude. Like that's <laughs> Craven the Hunter and yeah. a psycho, and he can play a psycho well. So I do love this casting. And it's just interesting. Aaron Tyler Johnson, like he's doing this. He's also doing uh, the Kingsman Mm -hmm. with, uh, uh, what's his name? Ralph Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes, Fiennes, yeah. And he's going to be in David Leitch's new movie, Bullet Train, uh, which is Zaza Beats, Hiroki Sonata, and Brad Pitt. Pitt, So like, yeah, he's like on a tear right now. He's getting after, he's like, I'm not getting back in the MCU as in, uh, as Quicksilver, then I'm just going to keep going with my career. And Mm -hmm. if that's going to involve comic book characters or not, and now he gets to get back into the comic book game and he's doing it through Sony and maybe a way back to the MCU through this channel.
0: Right. And he had that uh, long cameo in tenant last year. Um, right, right. Yes, and and going on with that, the idea of Sony kind of, like, not being afraid to cast him in a movie, even though he was previously a part of the MCU. Because, obviously, if you ask, like, Kevin Feige, he'd probably be like, I don't want you to cast this character in case, like, eventually you guys join up with the MCU. But they're mm. just like, you know, what? you know what? We're confident enough with these characters, these stories, these actors that we can pull something off. So I respect the confidence there, too. Agreed. All right. That does it for the checkup this week. We are now going to move on to our review of
1: Cruella.
0: So Cruella is available to see on Disney Plus Premier Access for thirty dollars, uh, or in theaters today. As we said at the beginning of the podcast, this will be a no spoiler review. So if you are on the fence of seeing it and uh, you're waiting to hear some people's thoughts about it, we're about to hit you with it. Okay? It has a, currently has a seventy two percent in Rotten Tomatoes with a ninety seven percent audience score. Not surprising out of a Disney Disney movie. And then it's got 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Very good score. So here's the synopsis that comes from Google for the film. Estella is a young and clever grifter who's determined to make a name for herself in the fashion world. She soon meets a pair of thieves who appreciate her appetite for mischief, and together they build a life for themselves on the streets of London. However, when Estella befriends fashion legend Baroness Von Hellman, she embraces her wicked side to become the raucous and revenge-bent cruella all right ricky flicks uh much anticipated film coming from emma stone uh i know initially this was supposed to debut in theaters obviously with the coronavirus pandemic uh at disney has made the strategy of releasing several films uh with a little duality with disney plus and in theaters so ricky flicks to start off what did you enjoy most in terms of aspects with emma stone as cruella
1: yeah, I loved the performances, really, by Emma Stone and Emma Thompson. Uh, Emma Stone, American, playing a British woman here. She, does for the most part, keeps the accent pre- uh, decently well. And her, you got a lot of Devil Wears Prada vibes in oh, this yeah. in this movie, with Emma Stone uh, being, like, the mentee to the mentor of Emma Thompson, who's the baroness, who's the, nas- like, nasty leader. And it's kind of funny because the, uh, In The Devil Wears Prada, one of the writers uh, that adapted that screenplay from that novel is one of the writers here uh, in Cruella. So that's very interesting as well. So that dynamic was fantastic in this movie. The punk rock rock theme, I thought, was very good, made sense. And all in all, I was very entertained by this movie. A little long, dragged a bit in the middle. Dragged more than a bit, I would say. Uh, It dragged in the middle, I would say. But all in all, very entertained, well worth the watch.
0: So I was like rethinking my thoughts about this movie. When I first saw it, I was like, damn, that was excellent. And then I started to wane on me a little bit. I was starting to reflect. And then I'm still maintaining that this was a good movie. This was definitely a good movie. And it seems like, uh, obviously, it has the 72% of Rotten Tomatoes. The audiences are loving it. You mentioned like the almost Devil Wears Prada vibe to it. And I know the natural connection but for this movie to another is Joker. One that we talked about previously, and I think the connection here is very strong. Very, very strong. We have an anti hero, a classic villain, all right, played by an iconic actress, and she has a little duality to her. She almost has, she does have, they didn't explore this too much, but uh, mental health issues. She's a schizophrenic, like, to, to, I don't know if like Disney wants that being a main message in their movie, a primary message in their movie. But this had a lot of Joker vibes. It was darker. Obviously, it has like the iconic music to it. Uh, I did enjoy it, though. And I think you're right. The performances is what stuck out most from this. I think Emma Stone killed it. I think she killed it. She did hold the accent long enough. But even though Emma Stone killed it, you know who I think was better was Emma Thompson. She was spectacular in this movie. And I didn't even know she was in it before I saw it. I had no idea she was in this movie. It was
1: shocking how good she was because it's a Disney live action, uh, not remake, but prequel. Very popular these days, just going off of these projects, intellectual properties, right? Um, She probably just took this role because, oh, like, big paycheck here. um, Disney movie, a lot of eyeballs will be on me. Like, this would be fun. But probably working with Emma Stone, just like, they probably had a lot of fun just working together here. and just realizing wow oscar-winning actress oscar-winning actress colliding like just they were money together it was awesome they bounced
0: right off one another and they knew exactly their roles in the movie especially when they were on screen together um emma thompson she i think she's at a point of her career almost like emma stone is starting to realize she's almost at the same point where it's like they've won their oscar and as we said before like they're willing to dive in and have more fun with these roles emma Thompson saving mr bank's uh going way back nanny mcphee and stuff like that but uh and then obviously with this film i think i love how they're just not afraid to just get into these wacky characters and just run with it and that's what they did here i feel like a little bit some of this could have been improvised especially when they were playing off one another you usually see it in more like uh, like overt comedies but i definitely got that vibe a little bit here as well um i want to talk about the setting that you brought up previously too the punk rock scene the 70s london genius does that was so good especially when you're talking about a fashion designer and different types of like obviously different styles that are walking through and then like the music choice the soundtrack was phenomenal when you have emma stone strutting and like in her making her entrances like this like the style of this film i thought also made a lasting impression
1: yeah it was a great soundtrack you got t- time of the season uh ELO, Rolling Stone, She's a Rainbow. That was the best. I thought. That was so that was, good. That was Emma Stone's introduction to with that song. I thought that was fantastic. So that kept things lively, right? Like even though things turned draggy or a little hectic, like the music was always consistently like good and uh, right with the tone to make you like still like watching even in those boring draggy moments, right? Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of odd, like ELO, I don't consider punk rock, no it did fit in so i'm gonna give it a pass and also because i just love elo and like all the soundtrack was just fire electric light like orchestra i would i like i uh, i'm in concert Guardians of the galaxy one and two like volumes one and two those soundtracks i just play through for fun i might Mm -hmm. do this for this movie because it was that good that's how good the soundtrack was so i'll take that as a win for this even though like was kind of uh, yellow as punk rock to me it just seems a lot
0: and it's like disney usually associates their original music with their live action movies and like this is them like saying right. Nah, like let's just let's just use this se- let's use the setting use the music and utilize it man
1: but i will say though the the score of this movie was terrific <laughs> it was very good it was very haunting and daunting and just cool uh-huh. like come on like it, i thought it could have been incorporated more and this movie had a two hundred million dollar budget. Did it all go to the song rights? Like seriously, uh, yeah. to, to the song rights. There were some and cool
0: effects in this movie. There were some cool effects. Her burning the dress was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, that was cool. That mm-hmm. was cool. I, I was just like two hundred million dollars. Like, did that could just go to the song rights and dresses? I don't know where that like money went. Right. I guess the effects, like some of those, did cost a little extra. But the
0: costume designs, like those, those are nuts. It was really a stylistic film. Um, mm-hmm. Before. I, I want to talk about something that people seem to be complaining about. This is an origin movie for the Cruella DeVille character. Do you think there was like a strong enough connection to the source material? You mentioned that you uh, watched 101 Dalmatians, the animated movie. And then the Glenn, I think you said the Glenn Close version yes. or so. Do you think there was a strong enough connection with the character to the predecessor, the predecessors like to the uh, previous performances?
1: Uh, without spoiling anything in this movie. Yes, I do think there's enough, but I can definitely see where people get their gripe with it. I present my gripe with the Robert character in this, and Robert is uh, connected to the original 101 Dalmatians and also the new one. But I'm mainly talking to the original. Who plays
0: Robert? Do you know? I, I don't know the top of my head.
1: The, the it was the lawyer.
0: Okay. In the
1: movie, I don't know who the actor gotcha. is. Okay. okay. But uh, that's my biggest gripe with the uh, connectivity with it because it's just completely different until the end. Um. It is neat when you watch throughout, like, some of, like, the little things. Like, I watched it a second time today after watching the 101 Dalmatians animated and the Glenn Close version because I watched this, Cruella, before re-watching those two. And I was like, oh, okay, there it is. Okay, there's that. So, you definitely could see it, but I could see where people would gripe on it. But, again, this is its own thing. Like, mm-hmm. I really appreciated Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, and the performers just taking it on their own here and just doing what they wanted to do. Greg Gillespie just really, and the writers, just really wanted to make their own film. And I think they did a great job here.
0: Agreed. I, I think they did an awesome Great job there. with
1: intellectual property, I should say.
0: Right. And that's, and I think that's something that Disney gets ripped on all the time. When you think of their live action remakes, they look at Lion King, how it was shot for shot, the exact same thing. Like you're not giving your, the viewer any new experience other than the fact that like you're watching computerized animals, you know? So like here like you're diverting a bit from the source material, which is a good thing. That's what I liked about this movie and the fact that you can't necessarily anticipate what is going to happen. And something fascinating I've noticed with like these anti-hero type movies, whether it be like a Venom, a Joker, even a Maleficent that came out earlier, these characters are obviously the protagonists in the film, right? They're, They're driving the film, but it's kind of controversial that you're, you're you're kind of rooting for these characters but they're villains you know so i don't know if that's a good or bad thing like the fact that like a like joker i didn't necessarily like the fact that like the Todd feld it seemed like you wanted to root for joker at the end although it went against like your natural instinct like Cruella de Vil kills dalmatians you don't really want to root for her in the end but i right. think this movie did a decent job at making uh I mean, alternate characters, I guess, like the antagonists of the film, more hateable to kind of like drive that. But I think it was still on the edge a little bit.
1: I agree. And you mentioned the live action Disney movies like this. I guess Beauty and the Beast might w- would be better. I don't know. I mean, it's maybe? close. This might be better. Dude. Jungle Book, I think, is better than this. That's, I that's will the say John Favreau murdered that. But like just if like I can run through like a list here, like the Lion King would like no. That wasn't better than this. Aladdin. No, No, I don't think that's better than this. Dumbo. Get out of my face. Colin Farrell. I love you. We just mentioned that, but no, that wasn't better than this. Christopher Robin. That was kind of weird. I liked that movie, but I don't think it was. But I don't think it was better than this.
0: That was just a feel good movie.
1: Yeah. Like Cinderella. I don't like that remake. I don't think that was better. Like 2015 with Kenneth Branagh, like directing. I don't Mm -hmm. think that was better than this. No. Like in the 101 Dalmatian movies with Gun Close. Those are trash. Those are awful. I don't you know, would know. You just watched. And John Hughes wrote, uh, was the screenwriter for the first one. So it's just like, I did think this movie was ex- extremely successful. And I think that's kind of blinding me a little bit where I'm like, wow, this movie was like amazing. But like, to be honest, like it did have, like we talked about some of them, it did have some, of, some pitfalls. So like, I'm trying to like hold back because I'm just kind of comparing it to the other Disney live action uh, movies, but you can't really do that. Just separate it on its own. And then like you see, it's still a really good movie.
0: I think this is right up there personally with Beauty and the Beast for like second best Disney live action. Even though this this isn't really a remake, it's just a reimagination of the character. Um, There were some aspects – I know we we really praised this movie. It seems like this is our favorite movie of all time by the way we were talking about (laughs) it. But like there are some things I didn't necessarily love. One being um, motivations for the Baroness's character, Emma Thompson's character. Um, I'm not going to get into spoilers, but what drove her character – didn't really make sense to me it didn't really make sense to me lame. i it was i think it was lame too and it's just like oh that's just oh it's just the person she is like it's just like i people who've seen the movie will know i'm talking about but i'll just steer away from people who haven't seen it um but i also i mean you have mark strong in a movie give him something to do please <laughs> right give <laughs> him something to do he's an amazing actor like why would he why would you recruit Tom, mark, you it's i think that's just for to put his name on the credits like he didn't really it was put a stamp on anything
1: Right? And to be a butler, like come on, like it's Mark Strong. Like i at least be a butler like in The Kingsman and he's a beast. Like, come on. Right. Like and he has like a crucial like. El- like he's part such a minimal a crucial... role in this, this movie. Was, yeah. That was kind of sad to see. I kept thinking that. Like even the second time I was watching this, so I was like, Man, Mark Strong. Like, you just they just like disrespect him so hard in this.
0: I-, I did notice a couple plot holes with the writing as well, in terms of uh some of the like the heists they were pulling with yeah, the uh... ski- The schemes were really
1: loft, pretty lofty and unbelievable. They were clever thinking, but like at the end of the day, this is 101 Dalmatians. Like in 101 Dalmatians, we have two dogs trying to save 99 dogs. Like it's unbelievable. So I kind of will give it a pass there, but it kind of goes to that point. I think what you were trying to say before I interrupted you, my bad, is that once you get into a universe, like a fantasy universe per se, like imagine like the MCU, you have to be consistent with – your fantasy and like this was kind of inconsistent with the heist and the schemes that they pulled off especially at the end kind of weird and very unbelievable but i'll i won't spoil it for you um, and like to
0: provide to provide an example for like the listeners like when we say like consistency it's like well we reviewed wonder woman 1984 back on christmas and it's like the powers that like obviously the powers that uh maxwell lord gets pedro pascal's character it's not believable <laughs> but like when you set these boundaries for these like villains or like for these characters you got to stick with them or else like you lose all credibility so that's kind of like what we're talking about and that was one of the like downfalls of wonder woman 1984 in my opinion
1: Oh God, that movie was so bad.
0: The Ricky Flux is crying. It was so bad. Everybody throw yeah. up. It's one or the other.
1: I think we all like. Who predicted it to be bad? Like nobody. No. Well, I didn't think it'd be that bad.
0: Holy crap! I, I thought it was gonna be good.
1: Um, nowhere near was this movie's like unbelievable aspects as bad as Wonder Woman 1984. We should be clear on that. But it, that was a good analogy,
0: right? Um, and I, I like Paul Walter Hauser in this movie. It's I like he What's is great. The
1: angle. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yes. he He's great comedic relief. I would like to see him kind of expand his career a little bit. It seems like he plays the same thing in every single movie he's in, whether it's this, itania Cobra Kai. Like, he's very similar in every single role he's in. I know he's expressed interest in playing Chris Farley in a biopic. Feed it to me. Wow. I want to see that. Like, I want to see some range for this guy. He's really active on Twitter. Um, and, yes, and, like, very he's, active. And I, and I love that. Like he, like he, and so it's like if so he wants to get a movie out there, I feel like he'll have support to do it. And I don't hate the idea of him playing Chris Farley. He's already got the build for it. He's got great comedic timing. Uh, it's just gonna be, I mean, before great, he gets skinny. Right, exactly. That's, that's, I think that's what he said too. Oh, he, really? Like, yeah, he said <laughs> like I, like I'm trying to lose weight, but if I want to play Chris Farley, I have to do it right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he's like and the roles he's been doing, he's been in comic relief. Like I tanya, Black Land's been like a little like dark comic relief there. Um, but uh what else has he been? And Richard, Richard Jewell, the main though. guy, but he wasn't really comic relief. He was you're kinda of laughing at the character, not with him, right? Yeah, no, he did um, he was awesome. But he was great in that with Kathy Bates. So I think he's on a high right now, he should take advantage if a Chris Farley project gets thrown his way for sure. And while he's on his comedic relief, spree before he gets into more roles like richard jewel he's uh he should do it now and really take that catapult cat uh catapult to the top
0: i agree like take advantage of the situation he's already in exactly um so let's uh let's throw out some scores what do you say ricky flex
1: let's do it you go what do you got oh okay. you want me you want me i'll go okay okay i
0: am going to give this a 79 I'm giving it a 79 out of 100. Okay. I was, I was so, I was tossy, turny a little bit after reflecting on it. I'm like, this, this was a good movie. I left it saying I enjoyed it. I think it was worth the money we spent to see the movie, which is kind of hard in this day and age with so much like free streaming options. The performances were awesome. Highlighted by Emma Thompson, absolute stud. And uh, I don't know how they're going to go with a sequel after this, but uh, I'll probably check that out too.
1: Yeah, I don't know what I really hope they don't do a sequel. I really don't. This like ended very this transitioned very well to hundred one doll missions. Uh no spoilers, but like definitely this would be great to just leave as is, at least in my opinion. And before he I You said a that sword, about Joker. <laughs> but before I give swore, do you Doctor O, we haven't mentioned somebody here that is part of your favorite TV show of all time. Joel Fry, who's uh, the Marine slave trader teaching Daenerys in Marine. Oh my uh, gosh! Game of Game Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't know that guy's name, but uh, I had he to look up okay. his actor name. He did okay. He, he did he okay. He was he I, was he was there just to, he's a pretty face. If if you're making comparison, to Devil wears Prada, he's like the Adrian Grenier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> know what yeah, I mean? Yeah.
1: Except not in love interest. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, like I for me, I give this an eighty-three out of a hundred. I. The first after watching it the first time, I was like, 80, 80 out of hundred. But then I watched it again just to make sure. Like, man, is this Disney live action, like intellectual property movie actually good? And <laughs> yes, like it is. And a lot of the, like I said, it's a little draggy at times. Um, and some of the schemes are pretty lofty. And I wish they incorporated the score a little more. And it did a couple. And I wish I did a couple other things with other the other performances, other than just the Emma Thompson and Emma Stone, uh, just rivalry similar to a devil that wears prada that we mentioned but 83 seems like the right score and i really enjoyed this movie i hope you all all you listeners watch it
0: that comes from ricky flicks as the highest oh. recommendations yes
1: sorry one last i think you met you it asked me the question like what's things that i didn't like in this that connected to the rest Yep. how she got her last name was terrible terrible uh... in this movie from, i want i don't want to spoil it but okay was right, okay Okay.
0: gotcha gotcha okay
1: it was it like ruined oh it doesn't ruin the last name but it's like come on <laughs> like
0: no oh yeah oh i know what you're saying oh yeah, yeah. With, the, with the i mean it's not a big spoiler Cruella I Taville, yeah yeah, yeah I, I know what you're saying now i was lost for a second nice little um plug with the song at the end though too i like the subtlety where it's like okay it's not overt in your face whenever she's on the screen you ended the movie by the corolla de Vil song
1: that was my so in 101 Dalmatians. I think that was my favorite scene in the animated movie was besides uh, the Colonel, the Colonel dog is so, so cute and awesome and hilarious. But my favorite scene besides the the, the Colonel is when Robert uh, cause he's a, he's a musician and he creates songs for a living and he creates the mm-hmm. Cruella, like that song uh, mm-hmm. right when Cruella, uh, right before she arrives on screen for the first time. And that was an awesome scene in that animated movie. Go check that I, out on Disney I, Plus too. I,
0: I gotta, I gotta check it. I haven't seen that in so quick one-hour watch. I must have been like six when I saw that, dude. Yeah. I got, but but the thing is, uh, Cruella Deville, such a magnetic and like, uh, I guess, demonic type of person that, uh, and a great villain. Uh, that it was. I mean, I, I didn't have to like watch anything to know who she is. You know, she's that iconic. But speaking of. Iconic villains and Disney iconic villains. I'm gonna throw it over to Ricky Flicks for our top billing of Disney animated villains. I'm built. I'm not gizmo. We top villain.
1: My movie, Donald, get top billing. First pick or the second, and we're doing a snake, of course.
0: I will take the first pick
1: in the draft. Okay, Doctor O, you wanted the first pick. What are your thoughts going into the draft, and why? And you think there's a clear number one?
0: Well, the thing is, if Nez was here. Be a lot harder to draft here. I have a big board. I have stars next to who I want, the th- people that deserve to be picked. Um, I feel like the Dis- like the Disney non-Pixar, have the more recognizable names. To be honest, because like you think of like obviously, it's not really a spoiler. Choosing a pick, but Cruella Deville pops in your head. It's right there. Um, and the Pixar, you kind of have to think a little bit. I, uh, sometimes you have two villains, one movie, and you kind of have to choose. But i kind of have a question like are we going for like the most evil person or just like the best villains like best characters most enjoyable villains to watch
1: for me best villain like most enjoyable to watch who was the best maybe it's a combination of the character that was a villain okay who was the best like because another top villain could be like who's like the evil like who's the most evil villain in disney like yeah, there's a few out there. I know. So I, I think I,
0: I think who I have in mind for the first overall pick is like a perfect blend of both.
1: To be honest. All right. Well, let's get to it. So, what is your first pick here for the top billing of Disney animated villains?
0: Round one, first pick overall. I'm going to go with Scar from Lion King. I, I think uh, Jeremy Irons a great voice actor to go against James Earl Jones Mufasa and. I mean, honestly, you think of evil things that a character in a Disney movie has done. How about killing your brother and pushing him off a cliff? You know, how about that? And then also lying to your nephew and then telling him to run away and never and to never return. Um, and then he also even has like the evil henchmen with the hyenas. Uh, James, I mean, uh, Jeremy Irons as Scar is like, makes my blood boil as he made my blood boil as a seven-year-old. Even when I rewatch it now, I'm like, I, I hate this guy, but he it has like a, such a menacing look too, with like the dark fur. He's got the black on him too. He lives in a cave. Um, he was an absolute menace and I, it was a great, it was great to see Simba take him down at the end of one of the most like iconic, uh, Disney scenes. Now, it doesn't matter if it's Marvel, doesn't matter if it's like Pixar or whatever. One of the most iconic scenes after Simba takes him down and uh, heads up at the top of Pride Rock. So, I'm gonna go with uh, Scar. It's my first pick.
1: I don't think it's debatable. It's the most dramatic moment in a young kid's life is when they see Scar just so push Mufasa oh, oh, off, oh, the, yeah, yeah. off the yeah. ledge or uh, like off the cliff there and just get absolutely roasted by the cat by the stampede there. Uh, maybe the most violent action ever on camera for a Disney villain.
0: For an animated movie for yeah, sure.
1: Like, they just went all out for this. And then, then he stampeded
0: and over him and then you had like Simba going up to him after he got ugh, walked on fuck. and then Scar comes up to him right after and says, you have just to go.
1: You're waterworks. Be for this. Go. Waterworks flooding every time you see that. But oh my gosh. I think another, just one last thing here is a com- you mentioned Jeremy Irons here and then the hyenas. I think a common theme that you listeners are going to experience with each almost all of our picks is going to be the great voice actors and the good henchmen slash women right you always yeah. have to have a good voice actor for a villain that's animated right but you also have to have, to have good sidekicks people that are imbeciles as do as the Bill dirty say, work right and do they the are dirty imbeciles. work. yeah so
0: i'm looking at it now i know exactly what you're talking about
1: right so i think i think you bring up a good theme there so that's a great first pick scar that was number that was one one on my big board too so i think that was a clear one one Good pick. Thank you. All right. It's off to me. Off to me. And I will go with Jafar and Aladdin. There's great motivation behind him to be the most powerful being, being in the universe, just like a genie. Eventually that leads to his own demise, but he also has a great henchman as is in his bird. Iago, Gilbert Godfrey's voice. Great henchman. Besides that movie, I hate Gilbert Goffrey's voice, but it fits in so well that I love it. He had, and is on his shoulder, similar to a different character that I won't tease a pick here. But he looks the part with the hat. He's got the eyebrows, the snake staff, and the manipulation and trickery with his magic that he just backstabs Aladdin in the beginning, right? And also to the Sultan, who's he's supposed to be like an advisor to, right? Classic villain story. Jafar just looks the part, he acts the part, he is the part. Jafar, number two pick here.
0: I like it. Um, I don't know if it was my number two, but it's definitely in my top three. Uh, Jafar, you know how we know he's so evil? Before he even says a word and he does have a really menacing voice, he's got a freaking snake staff, dude. He's got a snake staff. It's just like it's the most evil thing and the eyes light up and then it's just it's just a perfect match when you put them together. And he is so untrustworthy throughout this movie. I think he's a great pick as a villain. Uh, I mean, there's some dark moments of Aladdin when I'm thinking about it too. When Jafar is leading uh, Aladdin to the cave, right to get the lamp and mm. everything, like he's right Sketchy. behind him. And then, like, and then like the the the, the it was a lion or it almost looks like a pyramid. I forgot what it was, but he's like chomping down, like fires coming out of it. Yeah, there are some like scary s scenes for like a let's say a five or six year old in that movie. Um, Jafar definitely on my list. I like it.
1: And with my second pick here, uh, the first pick in the second round, I-, I need to get a Pixar character in case you just pick your two right away. Just in case, just put it in my, my back pocket. I think this is the greatest Pixar villain. This is up for debate. After doing research, I don't think anyone picked this as the number one, but this is mine. And it's going to be Randall. Randall.
0: Wow! What Monsters Inc. On I a went ranch.
1: Monsters Inc. Some people <laughs> will say he's not even the villain of the movie, as in the main villain. I disagree. He is a sneaky, slimy, just like he looks, right? Sully's main arch nemesis for the scare title. Steve Buscemi's voice, perfectly casted. He's also, Perfect. like, I love Steve Buscemi, but hey, he looks a little greasy too. And a little slimy. Think of Art Fargo, right? So, perfectly casted. And he created a scare machine to harm children. Like, come on now. Randall, my, my favorite Pixar villain, I just want him now just in case you're gonna go with it I'm not sure if you would have but your thoughts
0: uh I wasn't going to with my next two picks, but he would have been a good uh late round pick fourth fifth like type uh Randall's such a slimy character he's so <laughs> slimy i don't i don't because like he is like if you this is what I'm talking about with like in terms of like a character I like like I hate Randall. But, like, Kay. in terms of, like, the sleaziness of a villain, he's great, you know? Like, he like – he, I think the – I think big ups have to go to the uh, character designs for Monsters, Inc. And the way he looks and, like, is scaly and everything. Impressive. And you're right, Steve Buscemi as that voice is spot on is spot on he looks the part if it was a live action <laughs> like, right and like randall's also he's not necessarily the main villain of the movie but he's always like someone you have to keep like your eyes like you got you have to keep peeled like he's in your brain the entire movie you know what i mean yeah. and like he i don't even know if he has a co- close relationship to uh james Waternoose, the uh main villain in the movie or i henry, don't remember
1: henry Waternoose.
0: henry Waternoose. Henry, henry yeah so ceo I, I don't remember if he had a huge like connection to him but like like, him, yes. like, harming Boo made me want to snap his neck.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, God dang. And he also had a great henchman in fungus. Stay away from Boo. He did. You know, his Mike Wazowski. So, Randall's my pick. Dr. O, finish out the second round here. Your second pick.
0: All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Hades. I'm going to go with Hades from Hercules. James Woods, he is maybe not the most menacing I would say because he cracks so many jokes, but he's almost like a likable villain. <laughs> like I, I, I love like any scene he's in, arguably more than me watching Hercules. Like I just like to hear him and talk about like his his interactions with his henchmen. Um, uh, what are the, what are they? What pain, are names, and, uh, pain, pain and uh, pain and uh, pain and
1: scar? No, uh pain, no. And, uh... And pain
0: something pain, panic, pain panic. And panic, pain and panic, pain and panic. Good job, Ritten. Yes, like like l- hearing him rip on him it's like your boss ripping on the lowest guy in the totem pole. It's like everyone <laughs> wants to hear it out loud so I like I I, I love Hades and the, like I just think of even his head like when he puts out the flame on his head and he's bald it's just like very funny and uh he he's like a Disney villain who's not trying to be too menacing. he's having fun with it. so I'm going Hades as my second rounder.
1: I was toying with him and Jafar. you went with him. He has a great look as well. The blue hair, gray skin, great story behind him with Zeus. I think they did a great job. All time schemer, all time schemer. Wow, yeah. Agreed. So great pick. Your third pick.
0: Now it gets a little interesting. It's like, I feel like I have to go with Pixar, but I have like multiple characters, multiple villains for the same franchise.
1: There's a lot. Like, as there's, a
0: pick. Um, there's a
1: lot. I think I, I, I shouldn't have gone Pixar. That was a mistake on me. There's, it's deeper than I thought.
0: You know what? I feel like you're not gonna. So we have to go two and two, and then one, whatever, whenever, whatever we yeah. feel.
1: Yeah, you can be a third Pixar or a third Disney, either one.
0: You know who scared the crap out of me growing up? And you mentioned the movie earlier is Ursula. I want to take Ursula from the Little Mermaid, dude. She she was scared. She sucks. Talk about talk about her song like and like underneath and like almost like trapping ariel like in like the darkness of it dude she collects souls Like she's a messed up woman and uh i'm excited to see her in live action especially melissa mccarthy playing her i think they could do something really cool hopefully they use a good amount of like cgi and whatever to like make it look awesome but dude i was so scared of ursula growing up and like that was the first woman i was scared of i would say (laughs) and <laughs> anything. She just, has, I'm scared of Ursula.
1: She has a garden of like dead mermaids or mermen or whatever. Yeah, dude, Like, she, that's so she's a scary up. character. And yeah, her yeah, her look is just menacing. But uh Emma Stone that, just re- I think just said this week that there should be an Ursula spin-off. And they like, only like like, like yeah, yeah, so like Ursula's like, origin. That? Like, Crue like Cruel DeVille, like Cruel DeVille like her background is like she wants to murder these Dalmatians and make fur coats. So like you just immediately think, like, what does she have against Dalmatians? We must know. Let's make a prequel. Ursula, it's like, all right, she wants to have um Ariel Ariel's voice. So I guess like what happened when she was a kid? Did she try to like go for the choir and she got denied? Like, is that gonna be the prequel? Like Yo, I, I don't think, think she's just good-
0: I think she's just a dynamic character. Like, I think, mm-hmm. I think that she just like will bring eyeballs to the screen. And like the, a lot of people were criticizing Cruella for being too dark. I think. And like, honestly, nothing dark really happens in the movie, but like Ursula, you're dealing with some really dark themes, I think. So it'd be kind of uh, it'd be interesting to see what uh direction they go. If they actually pull that together and it could realistically happen after little mermaid movie comes out, they say, okay, let's make an orange movie. if yeah. Melissa McCarthy kills it.
1: Yeah. You're right. You're right. Okay. Off to me for my third pick. So you don't have a Pixar pick yet. So your last two are gonna be Pixar. So I feel like I have to pick a Pixar here. This might be questionable because there's so many in the franchise, but this is my favorite Pixar uh Toy Story villain. It's lots of Lotso. <laughs> Lotso. That,
0: that's who I was debating.
1: He's supposed to be a loving teddy bear that smells like strawberries and he ends up being a ringleader of an evil society or like a warden of a jail at Sunnyside Daycare. Like, great backstory to get to his his stubbornness and revenge, right? But just this lovable teddy bear during the day is getting hugged by kids and smelled up by kids. And at night, he's just a ruthless, like, warden. I think it was unbelievable. Toy Story 3 is one of the best, if not, like, one of the best anime movies of all time. And a big reason of that is because of Lazzo.
0: I agree. Um, I, I Lazzo. He looks so welcoming. He's pink. He's so nice to everybody when he gets there. Like uh, even like me watching it, I didn't know he's gonna be that evil afterwards. He has no remorse for any of the toys. I. I couldn't agree more. Like, I, that's who I was debating with, and I probably should have done it because I, I, I just picked three. I should have left my last pick to be like, okay, which one do I go with? But I decided to go Ursula. I like Lotso as a pick. He's arguably the most – I think he is the most menacing post uh, villain.
1: And – oh, I'm glad you just said that because that leads into what I was about to say is that if you – we were doing the draft of like villain of the villains, right? Scar would still probably go number one, but Lotso – At the end, when he's like in the garbage, just the garbage uh plant, and he has a chance to save them, and he still doesn't like that. Was like Disney, I was shocked. I was like, Oh, we're not doing the uh, like classic Disney where like, oh, like you know, I'm a good guy, like, here you go. No, he's like, sayonara. So, that all time villain, Lata, is gonna be my third pick.
0: Yeah, that's good,
1: and then my final pick. Oh, sorry. My fourth pick. I'm gonna go Pixar again. So three Pixar for me. Right? Yeah, three Pixar, and I don't want to pick one character, um, even though it was awesome for some for uh, society- societal reasons. So I'm gonna go Syndrome. Nice. Again, another great story. Former fanboy of Mister Incredible. That now just tries to overthrow him later makes it awesome kind of just is a schemer making him think oh relive his glory days but nope like i'm here to kill you like i'm here to i'm an evil genius i have the look i have the costume i have the hair very villainy and he was great so i'm gonna go syndrome
0: that was the one i was gonna pick uh he's like a good example of like I don't know. There's like so many like fanatics today with social media following all these like people, like all these su- like superheroes, these actors or whatever. Like, like he's kind of like a character you could see existing with minus the abilities, minus the uh, gadgets, minus the whatever. It's just, he's just mm. like a film. Fa- he's like a, a fan fanatic that like, like is, a Zemo gets on your or nerves. Not,
1: not fan fanatic, but like a Zemo. He doesn't need powers. Right. He's that's just smart.
0: it. Yeah. And,
1: he's and controls I, the screen. I,
0: 100 percent, and i think that uh he is a tad annoying for sure but i think that just comes with who he is and yes. uh the and fanboy element. it's a good story too like his like rise to becoming a villain and like after being disrespected by mr incredible i do like that aspect um yeah i think definitely it's a top it's a, it's a i think it's a top three um pixar villain
1: yeah i i think incredible's is so much better than Incredibles 2. And I really liked Incredibles 2. And I think a big reason is because of Syndrome. Incredibles 2 just didn't have that same villain's story, story arc that you want to see like in a movie, like from your villain, a really powerful villain. And you just didn't have that Incredibles 2. And and Incredibles with syndrome, you got that. Like imagine, like at the end with Jack Jack. Like oh that was, gosh. that was before. Cause like, you don't think Jack, Jack has powers at that point. So it's just like, wow, he's going to do this to Jack, Jack. He is a villain. So syndrome is my fourth pick. Dr. Rowe, your fourth and final fifth pick.
0: Uh, fourth, I'm going to go stinky Pete from toy story two Like he is menacing the prospector. Yeah. I, I don't even give him the benefit of calling him the prospector. He's stinky Pete. He is yes. the worst. Okay. Uh, like well, like refusing to let Woody uh, run away with Jesse. And like the fact that he just like is, will do whatever it takes to make sure that they get shipped off and they get on that plane where they think they're going to China. Uh, All time evil character, I think. And, uh, he has the, he also like it's almost like a lotta where he comes across as such a nice guy, he's like, what? A? you know, and all that stuff. But then Lots you watch your old cartoons, with then you me. see him, then you see him using like the weapon, and you're like, Holy crap, like he's got he a dark move. side to him, he's got a dark side to him. But uh, I like, I as a kid, I don't think there was a villain I hated more like
1: than Stinky Pete, he might have the best name, like lotso's up there but stinky pete like that's a villain like as in like a childhood like animated movie villain like this guy is just terrible just an awful dude hate him he'd rather be in a museum than play with than be played with as a toy like that's just Mm -hmm. get on my face certified psycho stinky pete yep
0: and my fifth round dude i mentioned this at the early earlier in the podcast this franchise has so many good villains in it I'm going double Toy Story. You're doing I have it. to. I have to, you're to I have to go, Sid. You're um, going Sid. I have to go, Sid. Sid, like you think about iconic when you're talking about black shirt, skull. You even had the cameo in Toy Story three, dude. He was like the like the the look on Buzz Lightyear's face when they spark when he's sparking, sparking up these uh, toys in a rocket and shooting them up into in the space, freaking out. And he's also just like the meanest brother of all time. Um, he gets overshadowed by the um lotso and stinky Pete for sure right those two are just like so mean and they like toy story did a great job picking it up in the sequels elevating it you know yes. elevating the stakes and then you know the, that one it's like very much like, at home neighbor's house whatever he's the evil kid that's burning toys up we, every, everyone knew a kid who was burning stuff right they went around the room during morning morning meeting, and they said, hey, what do you like to do on the first day of school? I like to burn stuff, right? Some people like to do cartwheels. Some people West like to ball. throw the football. That kid, he likes to burn stuff. Stay away from that kid. That parent does not let the other kids hang out with him. So I like Sid in the five spot. I didn't want to go double Toy Story, but I had to.
1: I was afraid of that myself. So I thought you were going to not do that and do a different character, so I'm interested in that as well. And – what we talk about Honorable Mentions but before we do that I have my last pick and my last pick has to be Disney character I'm toying with two I have one higher than the other on my big board but for the podcast sake and to diversify things up I'm gonna go Yzma from Emperor's New Groove I <laughs> don't know how to pronounce it but I think I got Yzma. it
0: Yzma. Yeah.
1: Underrated but underrated, forgotten great Disney movie with David Spade as Cusco, John Goodman as his good old psychic Pacha. But similar to the pick I would have done since there's no more picks, I'll say Cruella. I was gonna pick the woman that wanted to kill 101 Dalmatians. Like, come on! But for the sake of this podcast and a little di- uh, diversity here, or just different, I'm gonna go with Yzma. Um, but she's similar to her with her looks, right? Her genius schemes, the way she speaks, even and the person that voiced her—I looked it up. Eartha Kitt. She died unfortunately in two thousand eight. But she had a great voice for this. I, I, I have no idea who she was before looking her up, but she was great in this. And the sidekick—we mentioned the sidekicks. Kronk, Patrick Warburton. Like he I was, was I, phenomenal.
0: I want. I, I was wondering if I could pick him up in free agency and replace him with, with Sid. I, I want. I want. I want Kronk. Like Kronk, Kronk was so good. I, I I don't even think he qualifies, but like he's like a he's henchman that he's like a henchman that turns into a good guy. Oh, we should did, do. A dude, he was so electric. Draft. He got his own show, dude. I think yeah. he got his own movie. He got his own movie. Kronk's, I think he new did.
1: Kronk's new groove.
0: Oh man, well deserved.
1: But that just shows how good like he was in this, and how good the villain is in this movie. And the movie was awesome. Oh, my God, we should do a henchman draft, like <laughs> all animated characters. Pain that and Panic. Be really good. Yeah. Like yeah, like. That would be pretty cool. But, um, yeah, I go. oh man, I'm, we I'm done happy that. I could,
0: we should have done that this time.
1: Yeah, it would have been good. I think wouldn't it, like, there's so many Disney live action remakes coming out. Like, we'll do one soon. All right, let's we'll
0: have, we'll have to mark the calendar.
1: <laughs> but that does it for our top billing of Disney anime draft, a uh, Disney animated villains draft. Before we do honorable mentions, let me just read off the list here. Dr. O has Scar from Lion King, Hades, Hercules. Ursula, Little Mermaid, Stinky Pete from Toy Story 2, and Sid from Toy Story. Ricky Flicks has Jafar from Aladdin, Randall from Monsters, Inc., Lotso from Toy Story 3, Syndrome from The Incredibles, and Yizma, Emperor's New Groove. Dr. Rowe, let's go with... um. So Cruella, obviously a big one left off. That was I had her high on my big board ahead of Yzma as my uh, fourth overall Disney animated villain. I, like i said i try to diversify it how about some other disney ones any other disney honorable mentions you want to I mean, mention we,
0: we tend to do this whenever we review something or do something we don't draft whatever like we're talking about so like cruella deville inspires a disney villain draft arguably the most evil and we just don't pick her we just stay away from it because i don't know it's just the way we operate but i, I kind of like it
1: though yeah we already talked I, about it like move on to something else
0: uh sheer Khan,
1: jungle book um, great screen presence
0: right and think about uh, even the guy who played him dude, uh, Idris Elba in the Jungle Book great casting oh, that was great. Um, I had Shan Yu from Mulan the leader of the Hun what else did I have I had Clayton from Tarzan he was kind of I don't know I I like he had a brutal death which is something you don't really see in Disney movies and it was cool to see the one-on-one with him and uh tarzan but he was so damn unlikable yeah and then what else did i have anything else man i didn't have a lot of pixar dude i like i i think
1: i think Wait, before we get to pixar just focus on dude. oh oh
0: sorry excuse me um yeah that's all i had really i think and i wow. had all right. i got stone who's like the hyper masculine dude yeah and,
1: uh... i'm not a big stone guy personally yeah. nah. he lost bell to a little animal too like that's just tough tough look but uh I guess for some Disney here, Captain Hook. Yeah. Peter Pan. I think Wasn't like iconic, pay. like with the hook and the red suit, purple hat, like icon, um, Maleficent who also got her own movie. I actually two don't movies. mind.
0: I don't mind that origin movie. It's not bad. Yeah. I haven't seen the sequel, but the first one isn't bad.
1: I haven't seen the sequel either, but had the Raven on her shoulder too. Like the animated movie sleeping movie. Like she so evil. Yeah. Very evil character. So that was a big miss, or not a big miss, Just a mess. Um, then I have some just like ones I wasn't gonna pick, but just like once to say here. The Lilo and Stitch, just all the villains in that, they were hilarious. And, uh, I,
0: yes, are we including uh, the Marcellus Wiley guy's shades?
1: I don't consider him a villain.
0: Marcellus Wallace, excuse me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't consider him a villain. But like I was thinking, He's like not. just like all the aliens just coming down, like the whale, uh, the sci- evil scientist that created Stitch, like all great. Um, mm-hmm. Tamatoa, the crab in Moana. Oh, okay. With that song as well. Um, <laughs>
0: the crab. Yeah, that's yeah. not bad.
1: <laughs> um, Pete from a goofy movie. Screw Pete. Yeah. Um, and then the person who shot Bambi's mom.
0: Oh, dude, I had that on my list too. I, <laughs> yeah, I, had, I wrote it down. I did. I was, I was going to pick that instead of, uh, I mean, I couldn't pick anything but Pixar was my last pick, but I did have that. Right. I had that written down. That's
1: all cool. right. And then uh, Pixar honorable mentions Doctor Uh,
0: Dude, I didn't have much. I didn't have much. I Like, I had a lot. I had all three um, Toy Story movies, not the fourth one. I don't even remember who the villain was, to be honest. The doll. The doll. You're right. Oh, that's was, that was pretty menacing. But okay. still, wouldn't make the list. Mm-hmm. Um. I wasn't gonna pick the bad guy in Ratatouille. Like he was never yes, Skinner, I, I loved, what was his name.
1: Skinner. Skinner yeah. Uh
0: Chef Skinner. But I would never like i love Ratatouille, but I would never pick him. Um Ruining
1: a legacy of gusto.
0: Like I wasn't gonna pick Waternoose. I don't think he was that. Charles Muntz wouldn't have been bad from up. He's good. Yeah, like he, he that would have been that would have been a decent thing. He just pick, came but, too late.
1: He came too late in the movie.
0: Right. And he also, like People, if I said Charles Munts, like people on the graphic would have no idea who I was talking about. They'd be like, "Who the hell is yeah, Charles?" Yeah, you have Muntz?
1: the picture, but yeah, yeah.
0: right. But uh, I think
1: they would need re rewatch up and be like, "Wow, he was that's a great villain." But then, like again, like it, it, you see, it. he like, didn't get introduced like his actual physical character. To, so like, late in the movie, it's like eight, three fifths through. through, definitely yeah. over half. Like it was, I wish he was in it more. But oh, great movie. Any others?
0: No, I honestly didn't. I, I, I haven't seen Coco. Like, and I know that's a you big... You haven't seen Coco? I, like, I've seen... I, I always fall asleep oh. when I watch it. I've said that before. Like, I literally turn it on and I fall asleep, like, an hour in.
1: So, there's three others I was consider like, in that... up. I wasn't going to pick them, but they were, like... If Nez was here, they would be in contention. Al, Toy Story 2. Steals Woody from a garage sale, and that's not, that's not cool. Uh, Hopper, Bugs Life. Don I wasn't going to pick them. Now yeah, I can't pick it, but... Wow.
0: No one is what allowed to pick a KS.
1: The, <laughs> the dictate oh, just unreal character. I couldn't pick it though. And then I was thinking Coco, about
0: it, but like, I can't tell you.
1: Yeah. Oh, if you like rewatch A Bug's Life, I feel like that's forgotten too. In between like the Tarzan, Lion King, Toy Story, like all those great anime movies of the 90s. like that's Stay
0: just away from the love. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but A Bug's Life is such a great movie. And then Ernesto de la Cruz from Coco. Like yeah so portrayal of the highest order a basically dr o imagine if elton john and bernie the bernie's the one who re, like writes all elton john songs are at their peak right yeah. and bernie's like yo i'm gonna go just start a family and then elton john's like no you're not and bernie's like oh i am and then just kills him basically how crazy is that jesus
0: that's messed up
1: yeah so i mean no, I, if i
0: saw it i definitely would have put him on the list
1: but uh insanity And then my last one's Darla, just as a joke.
0: I had, yeah, Darla is one I was thinking about, but like once again, like just so annoying. Just get out of my face, Darla. Jesus.
1: Makes sense. But that does it for our top billing of Disney animated villains. This was a good one. Dr. O, round us out. All
0: right. That will conclude this episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Thank you for listening. And please leave us a review wherever you are listening to this. And then please rate us five stars. Bug. next week we have a highly anticipated review we have a quiet place part two in theaters now go see it hop along with the review we'll do spoiler and non-spoiler for next week how definitely we for be, that right? one so that does it for episode 39 we will smell you.